Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open or you love the convenience of no-shell pistachios like myself, Wonderful Pistachios is the perfect healthy snack for when hunger strikes. And there are a bunch of tasty flavors to choose from too, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Sirius XM Radio presents, in conjunction with House of Athlete, I Am Athlete Tonight. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to I Am Athlete Tonight, your sneak peek into the locker room of professional athletes. One of the few places where you can hear the unfiltered perspective on how players think, talk, and act. I'm your host, Omar Kelly, also the I Am Athlete producer. And I'm here with my teammates, Brandon Flowers, a Delray Beach native who parlayed an impressive college career at Virginia Tech into a nine-year NFL career where he was a Pro Bowl selection in the 2013 season. B. Flowers pulled in 21 interceptions and scored four touchdowns during his NFL career. And then my other host is Antoine Walker, the sixth overall pick in the 1996 NBA draft. He's a three-time NBA All-Pro won a championship with the Miami Heat in 2016. And most importantly, he's the creator of the shimmy. And I've always wanted to ask you, Antoine, <laughs> what inspired and motivated the shimmy? Um, it's, it's not really a long story, a complicated story. It just came back when I was in college. When I was in college, I used to um, always clown around with the guys on the team, dancing in, in the dorm and stuff like that. And for some odd reason, it just kind of translated to the court. And I think I shocked the guys when I started dancing on the court. Um, and Coach Patino didn't get mad. You know, Coach Patino was a disciplinarian. And after I did it in college, he didn't he didn't get mad. He said, as long as I'm able to get back on defense all the time, I can enjoy myself. So that's where that's where it came from. And I just continued until I got to the pros too. So you see, that's what that's what always bothered me. These coaches, sports are supposed to be fun. Isn't that why we play these games? <laughs> yeah. And then and then you get you get to the level where you're, 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 you're elevating yourself and you're trying to be, you, you know, you, you're trying to become a professional. You get to college and then they want to take all the fun and joy out of that. <laughs> but you know what's so funny about that? People used to think when I got in the league that I was sh- like showboating and all that. So they used to be mad about that. So some teams, you know, and coaches didn't like the fact that I was dancing, but I would only do it when we was like making a comeback or like it was a big pivotal moment in the game and some excitement, the crowd was involved. That's when I usually would do it. So you had strategic points when you were shimmy. So if you was leading by 15, you, no shimmy's going to happen, right? Oh, yeah. If I was up by 15 and, and I was grooving, yeah. It, it, but it, I do got – I got different variations of the, of the, of the shimmy. You know, two shakes, three shakes, four shakes. <laughs> game, game winners are long shakes. I mean, it's, you got different variations of them. So. What's the slow shake? What's the slow shake? I can't really we down, but I made a nice move. But you can't really, really, you know what I'm saying? When you down, look at the scoreboard, you still down. So I had to be cautious when I did it then. But I, everything was strategically mapped out for my shimmies. All right. And and, and B flow. <laughs> any, any celebrations for you uh on, on some of those touchdowns that you scored? Man, you know what? It happens so fast. You I always try to plan out a celebration the night before. And every time I plan it out I don't get a pick. So when I do get it, it just whatever I do in the end zone when it happens is what I do. But I do have one celebration. We played Oakland because when I was in Kansas City, that was our arrival. And I just knew, right? You know when you watch so much film, Twan, you can attest to this. Like sometimes you just know what the offense will give you or what this team will give you. And I was like, if I get this one formation and I get this one route, I'm taking it to the crib. I got it. Uh, when I scored, I went right to the black hole, put the ball down, stood on the ball like I'm He-Man. Like, that poster everywhere in Kansas <laughs> City. Like, the poster legendary. So, that's the only time I got to, like, plan a little something. Because I play defense. We don't get too many opportunities to go with it. So, 
That was my only one. It was dope, so, though. So do you have all four of those touchdowns in your house, the, the balls from them? Oh, man, I got a memorabilia room. I got every single ball, every turnover ball, every fumble recovery, every pick, every game ball I got on the defense side of the ball. Like, that's part of my legacy. So, with my son growing up and seeing all that, hopefully that hopefully that inspired him, man, to go out there and get one of them basketball contracts that it should be about time yeah. he'd be in the league. See, hold on, wait a minute. Basketball is not the way. You want that money, you got to go play baseball, man. That's the, that's the real money out there. We we think that oh we think that but it's so hard you got to go to triple like triple A yeah gotta, that's true yeah and that that, that basketball money would be like crazy two guys and getting them yeah the basketball <laughs> money is crazy but y'all y'all have the, the the select few very select few I think it's what two hundred and fifty five or something like that of y'all in 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 the world no nah, it's way more than that that number that number is now because each team carries fifteen players. Plus two guys that they can carry uh, on two-way contracts. So let's just say 17, 17 players per team, whatever that math adds up to. I ain't quick on my feet right now with the math right now, but whatever that math adds up to. But now you got more guys there. And in two years, this TV money is about to go up. You see that's, what they just gave they you. Just, but you just see what they just gave Charles and Shaq and Kenny them. Oh, that's true. That's a very good point. When Charles uh, that, is making uh, $100 million. And, and, and I want to point out to you, do you know that Charles Barkley has a 10-year, $100 million contract? Do you know his career earnings in the NBA was $46 million? 14-year career. And I, I, I know the money's different inflation-wise. That, that is that – is, uh, well, he's not probably the first that's made more money, you know, in their second career than their first career, but – I mean, I think it's hard for us because Charles was such a good player in, in yeah. the league, but that, that lets you know where I think that kind of sums up where you see the, the NBA money is right now. Could you imagine what Charles would have made back in his day? Oh, he would have been a 25 million a year player. Absolutely. No, no way more him. than that. He'd have been 40. These guys are making, there's a few guys in the league going to make 45, 50. I think what Damon Dillard's last year was like 63 million. So, yeah, he, he'll be up there. Man, that's impressive. Well, we got a good show for you guys today. Uh, the tanking Carolina Panthers, and, and yes, I said tanking because there's no other way to justify what they're doing. They traded their second starter this week, sending Pro Bowl tailback Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers for a bounty of picks. We'll discuss that, whether it was a wise move for both teams. There are eight teams sitting at 3-3 three and three heading into this week's games, and we'll dissect which team will gain some momentum and which team will – We'll, we'll be right down there with the losers. We'll also be talking about Kawhi Leonard's return to the NBA and whether Russell Westbrook will ever find peace with the Los Angeles Lakers. Let's let's start with the news that has the NFL buzzing, which is the McCaffrey trade. McCaffrey was traded to the 49ers, and right now, you teams in their division have to be terrified to death of a lineup that features McCaffrey and Debo Samuels in the same backfield. The Panthers have traded the Speedy McCaffrey to the 49ers for, a comp for compensation that equates to pretty much the equivalent to, of a first and a, a third round pick. They got a second rounder, a third rounder, and a fourth rounder in 2023. And then for the kicker, they threw in a fifth rounder in 2024. McCaffrey was a first team all pro player in 2019 where he had 1,387 rushing yards and 1,005 yards receiving. But since then, he's been plagued with some injuries. This season, he's averaging 4.6 yards per attempt on 85 carries, which he's turned into 393 yards, and he's caught 33 passes for 277 yards and scored three touchdowns. All-purpose yards heading into this Sunday's game, where we don't necessarily know if he's playing, He's averaging 11, uh, uh, 111 yards per game. Now, the question is, one, will he play, and how will he fit? And Kyle Shanahan gave us a little bit of feedback on that. 
It was more a big smile and then like, all right, I got to go back and redo third downs, redo nice. that zone, redo yeah. everything. <laughs> awesome. and, then was, yeah. and then it was like, wait a second, we still got to come and pass a physical. He's not yeah. going to be at yeah. practice. And yeah. then it's, so I'm still up in the air on whether we're going to be able to get him here for Sunday or not. Right. I know for sure he'll be here the following Sunday. Um, but that's kind of what I'm just kind of in a wait and see approach right now. Hopefully that physical will go all right. And um, then I'm sure I'll see him after practice and we'll just see where he's at and go from there. Yeah, that was brought to us by radio partner KNBR. Uh, now, that that's the interesting perspective. B-Flow, I want to get your take on how do you think McCaffrey fits into the 49ers offense? I think it's a perfect fit. I just hope Shanahan, you know when you get, when you're young, it's Christmas Eve, and you want to open that Christmas present up. You can't wait till Christmas, and you just it's just messing with you so much. You want to just open it up. Like, no, like, that's what he's trying to do right now, McCaffrey, right? How he already said he wanted to go back and redo third downs. Let him get acclimated. Go in with your game plan, what you were doing this week, and just save him for next week. You will have him the whole year. For me, he fits perfect with this scheme, right? Jimmy G don't drive the ball downfield. He likes having safe throws out the backfield, screens to Debo. And like you mentioned before, with uh, McCaffrey all-purpose yards, he's dangerous out the backfield catching the ball as well as running the ball. We all know Shanahan has one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. So adding a guy like McCaffrey who can make guys miss, catch the ball out the backfield, it's just going to open the field up even more for this 49ers offense because when you have a safety coming in the box, you, you want to stop the run for, uh, when you're playing against the 49ers, but you're also trying to see what Debo at for them screens, them reverses. They don't have to put Debo in the backfield no more and get him banged up. Like, it fits perfect for what they're trying to do. Wait one more week. Jimmy G going to love having his weapon out the backfield. He still don't have to drive the ball downfield. And I just think this is a great job. Like, the 49ers don't have too many big holes on offense. So, so what they gave up all those draft picks. They don't have huge holes where they have to drive and plug in. They needed one guy that can possibly get them over the hump this year, and McCaffrey can be that guy for them. Yeah, see, what was interesting about this trade is that it seemed like the 49ers and the Rams were in a bidding war, considering they're in the same division. Um, and, and that division is pretty much wide open, even though a lot of us, including myself, thought it would be the best division in football right now. Uh, it, uh, it, it, Well, actually, no, we, we thought it would be one of the better divisions in football. It, it's nowhere close and it's wide open. And considering it was a bidding war, um, I think the bounty was pretty fair and pretty reasonable. But it seems like the Carolina Panthers are having a fire sale. Uh, they seem to be tanking, which, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think when you trade away two of your top two of your starting offensive players and, and pretty much have just about everybody on the roster up for sale, that's a reasonable claim. Owner David Tepp recently used the right words when asked about striking a balance between winning games now and drafting high later. Listen, there's no, no, no way that every day you can't go in with a winning attitude. And, you, and, and there's no other way to be. You have to try to win all the time. You have to try to win for the players. You have to try to win for the fans. And, yes, I understand what it is you know, about draft picks and getting quarterbacks and stuff like that. And I understand the importance of quarterbacks in this league. But you have to try to win always. Yeah, uh, I don't believe you. Uh, General Manager Scott <laughs> Pitter push back on any suggestion that the team is tanking and that that's their agenda for the rest of this season. He said it would be astronomical off. It would take an astronomical offer to part with other members of the team's core. And the, because the expectation is winning and that has not changed in Carolina. No, I think uh, what we've had to figure in what's best for the organization. Like I was saying, um, our focus is still going on and going out and competing every weekend. We, ex- we expect to win. And that was uh, Coach's mindset this weekend. You know, the NFL is a, it's a business where you, you lose guys, you know, whether it's injuries, trades, whatever happens. The expectation of winning never changes. Those guys in the locker room fight too hard. They work too hard every day. So we owe it to them. Uh, that's our expectation as an organization is to go out and win every game. So now let me ask you guys, uh, uh, Antoine, open it up to you as well and B-Flow. If I traded your starting receiver, Robbie Anderson, he wasn't a primary receiver, but he was still a good starter, one of your leading receivers probably two years ago, and then traded your franchise player in Christian McCaffrey, what message does that send to my team? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I could just tell you I was a part of 
um, a tanking situation. You were part of a um, tank special, Antoine? Yeah. Um, so my first year in the league, when I came in, um, got drafted in 96. And the year we were terrible. Uh, we, we, we won 15 games. We were 15. We was 15 and 67. But just how the just how the season played out, um, you knew we was taking. We were supposedly the whole thing and the whole rumor was that we were going to have two lottery picks, which we did end up having two lottery picks. But we thought we was going to get the first pick in the draft. Tim Duncan, I remember which that. Would, yeah, yes, what that would have been Tim Duncan, and basically, um, besides playing me and Eric Williams a bunch of minutes, and I was on a team with a lot of veteran guys. I mean, the whole thing, the last 50 games was nothing but about the development of myself and Eric Williams. Uh, Dino Raja was the so-called star when I came there on the team. And uh, we had D. Brown and some other veteran, Rick Fox. We had a bunch of veteran guys on our team. But just the development, how guys, um, how they how to set other veterans out. And it was just purely on the hope that, listen, we, gonna, we don't care about winning or losing. We want to develop myself and Eric Williams and get ready for this draft. But it ended up backfiring. We ended up getting a third and sixth pick that turned out to be Chauncey Billups and Ron Mercer. Um, I mean, not. I mean, obviously, they were, they're great players, but it wasn't what the, the plan was. So I was a part of that and only won 15 games, 15 and 67. This is miserable. I mean, the stands are half empty. You, you're going to games. No, you don't have a chance to win. Um, so I understand why. Carolina's the GM and everybody's trying to keep that locker room positive and keep them going because they don't want those guys not to play hard and make this a disaster for the rest of the year. You still have a lot of games left. Yeah. Before you you ever been part of a tank special? I haven't been part of a tank special, but when I got to Kansas City, we was rebuilding, right? Our whole team was young. But I see exactly what Carolina is doing. You know, they're going to have a new coach next year. They already know Baker is not going to pan out. So they're going to want Bryce Young or Stroud from Ohio State, right? So at least they know they'll get one of those guys because they're not going to win. McCaffrey, even though he is a stud, he's been hurt. So it's not like a guy that was just like a Henry who's been year in, year out, carrying the load and getting you to the playoffs that you're trading away. Like you're trading away a guy that you paid some nice money to that haven't been able to be in and service you. So it's like you're getting that off your load, too, and you're going to bring in a new head coach, a new quarterback, and you're just going to say, listen, this is going to be a three- to four-year project, and we're just going to have to draft young. Hopefully we bring the right franchise quarterback in here. We got the draft picks to try to move up and get one of these receivers that's coming out here to pair with them. I know they let Robbie Anderson go, but that was a Matt Rule guy. So normally when – a head coach lead, the guys that was his guys when you brought them in, they go ahead and go out the window with them. So right now they just loading all this draft capital. Hopefully they can start new with their franchise quarterback. And we know you don't have to get a running back first round nowadays. Like you get them in the sixth round, right? So they'll miss McCaffrey, but he hasn't been available for them like consistently throughout these years. So I think that was a great move on both sides for me. Now let me ask you this, B-Flow. Hold on, before you before you continue, Kim, I really want to ask either one of you guys can answer this question just as a fo- a football fan, me on the outside looking in. Um, I know how basketball goes, and I know how when teams you know want to use draft picks and there's certain guys that's coming out in the draft and you you kind of plan for these moments uh to see if it's gonna be a really good draft. In football, is it is you know, does I'm more speaking more on the free agent side. Because in football, it seems like you're going to go where, where you got to go to get your money, you're going to go. Correct. Do you think Carolina just feel like that they're not a free agent destination, that they're going to have to build through the draft? They're not going to be able to go out and sign any big-time free agents? Do you think that's why they make a move like this? And I, do they I, also, the set part to that question, is do they make that move? And I think B. Flowers, you kind of answered it towards the end right there. Is it because it was a running back and they don't value running backs as much as they used to in the league? See, here's the thing. Um, I don't think the goal in free agency when you're a team, especially one that's that's not a contender, is to be shopping in free agency. Free agency is really the the finishing pieces, and and Carolina is clearly far from finishing pieces. So um, the the goal for every NFL team is to build your roster younger and cheaper, and that requires draft picks. 
Um, and, and to to answer your 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 question, Twan, and I want to ask this question to B Flow. If I had offered you a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth for McCaffrey, no matter what you know what Carolina is doing, let's say the Panthers were winning, let's say the Panthers were four and one, wouldn't you take that deal, B Flow? Oh, it's hard to take that deal then because you'll think, all right, Baker came in, him and McCaffrey clicked. We got what we need on offense. So now you're not thinking that you have to go get a quarterback in the draft. Now you have your running back in place under contract. Even though you're paying him a lot of money and you could get picks for him, McCaffrey's special. Like he could do some things that not a lot of running backs can do. So if you got him in your building, you don't want to really let him go. So, for me, if we winning, and they haven't been winning in Carolina for a while, I wouldn't want to mess that up. But now, if you're the Chiefs or the Bills, then, you know, usually those guys have guys behind them that can step in and do just as good of a job as McCaffrey because those guys don't rebuild. They reload on those type of teams. So, I'll be more open to it then. But for me, my first time sniffing, winning, Matt Rule, he gonna feel like his job. Matt Rule would have been getting fired. He'd have felt like his job was saved because he brought his quarterback in to get them going. Like, nah, there's no way I can make that trade if they win. Yeah, well, definitely. But I think the, I think it's pretty good value. A second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth round pick for for Christian value. McCaffrey. Um, that that's that that I mean, you could you could you could name a lot of players. I I wouldn't. I, I don't think it's a very short list. Probably only quarterbacks that I wouldn't make that trade for. Um, Antoine, I want to ask you, Victor Win Wimbenyama out there is the big carrot, the French six foot four point guard, versatile small four. I, I man can do everything. With him seemingly <laughs> being the big carrot in this lottery upcoming, do you think a lot of NBA teams will be pulling off some tank specials? Uh, yeah, because he's one of those guys. Um, he's a LeBron James, um, a Zion Williams, uh, probably a Kevin Garnett. I'm thinking a really big name young guys that came in the league that that can be, you know, not only franchise changes, but also, you know, change the league, the scope of the league. So I think everybody's going to be involved in this. But I think some of these teams, and I, and I know in the NBA, some places are just not, you know, free agent destination. You look at a team like Utah that's loading up on picks. They trying their best to get to that, that one slot. You know, they know they're not going to be able to go out there and sign a big time free agent. The Sacramento Kings, another place that, that don't get a, a big time free agent. I mean, so you got places in the league that, you know, they just don't have an opportunity. Guys are just not going to go play there. So I, it, teams are definitely loading up for this kid. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward um, it, it, with with Carolina. Um, I, I got to feel sorry for their coach. Uh, I forgot his I forget his name, but he 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 did it. He did basically. He struggled. He got a head coaching job with the Panth with the um, with with Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they had drafted um, uh, Josh Rosen, and you know he struggled. He struggled. They struggled. And he got fired after one season. Um, and and right now he's pretty much being set up for failure. He's actually part of Brian Flores' lawsuit. Um, the name escapes me at this moment. But uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Eight teams headed into this weekend's games are three and three. Coming up next, we'll discuss what teams need to pick up the pace and which ones are packing it in. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. 
Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome back to I Am Athlete Tonight. I'm here with our regular host, Deuce, Lee J. Deuzable, who's joining us for a segment where we talk a little bit predictions for what's happening in these NFL games this weekend. Let's start with San Francisco 49ers, which hosts the Kansas City Chiefs, one of the hotter teams in the NFL. The 49ers just made a major trade, uh, picking up Christian McCaffrey, but doesn't seem like he's going to be able to play this weekend. But Mm -hmm. how much do you think that that trade helps the 49ers? Well, not to rebuttal you, Omar Kelly, a few people I've talked to, I think Kyle and John are getting him in today, right? They're hoping with his Stanford background, that they could put a set number of plays together where he plays or does have an impact on the game, kind of like Robbie Anderson yesterday with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so don't be surprised if there's a certain package for Christian McCaffrey, especially in the red zone. That's, you know, Kyle's very inventive in the red zone. I think he may get five to 10 plays uh, this Sunday versus the Kansas City Chiefs. So don't be surprised if you see CMC out there. Uh, what does he do, right? You know, this offense has always been synonymous with the running back having good yardage or having good, I want to say good career because they've always had an epic flow at running back because the system is so good at zone scheme system. Yeah. The outside zone the, scheme. Yeah. I think the one make it work. Yeah. I think the one running back that's had longevity is Terrell Davis, right? You know, Arian Foster had some longevity. So did offer Morris, but mainly it's been a rotation of backs in this system because they believe in the system. If you can get, you know, one cut, get downhill, that's why Raheem Mostert was so good in this offense, right? He's a speed back that is a physical runner that doesn't do a lot of dancing in the backfield. He one cut gets downhill and those gaps open up for him on that zone scheme. So with Christian McCaffrey, though, I think the big thing he's going to add to his offense is his, his pass catching ability out of the backfield, right? Kyle can be so inventive. Like he literally can run slot receiver routes. And I think that's how Kyle is going to envision using him this Sunday on the, you know, the five to 10 plays he potentially plays and going forward. Like obviously CMC can run in any offense, right? He's a really good running back, very explosive guy. He can run in the G scheme. He can run in the outside zone scheme, but I think he's going to be a big asset. And I, I can't wait to see the inventiveness of Kyle Shanahan with Debo Samuel in the backfield and Christian McCaffrey at the same time. Do not be surprised if you see a two-headed monster in the backfield with, you know, maybe a fake zone read to, to Debo and then a screen to Christian McCaffrey. You're going to see all types of things because, like I said, Kyle usually is in his bag when he has the weapons. And it's not just about CMC, right, with this, this 49ers team. And obviously they're going all in, and I'm glad because, you know, my pick for them to win the Super Bowl this year was looking kind of scarce with all the injuries they had. But help is on the way, Omar Kelly. Trent Williams practiced this week. He most likely will be back. Nick Bosa practiced this week as well. And their safety, Jimmy Ward, coming back will be massive, especially if Telenu Hufunga is still in concussive protocol and won't be able to play against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, this offense struggled last week versus the Atlanta Falcons. And the funny thing is, most of the injuries were on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they had three turnovers. They literally could have had five. Atlanta could have forced five turnovers. One was a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Jeff Wilson fumbled the ball, scoop, scooped up by A.J. Terrell from the Falcons, and he almost fumbled the ball through the back of the end zone, but his teammate Hawkins fell on the ball. Jimmy Garoppolo was sacked with a, uh, a fumble. Jake Brindle, the Sindels, uh, centers, uh, fell on the ball, and Brandon Ayuk had a fumble in that game, and Debo Samuel just happened to be in the right place. So, you know, we hear Brandon Marshall talk about it all the time, right, Omar? Ball security is job security. They just turned the ball over way too much last week. And they just had so many injuries on defense. I believe seven to eight starters were out for the 49ers on defense. Hopefully some of those guys come back. 
it's just a big game for them, right? Because the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be coming in pissed off as well, right? They lost last week to the Buffalo Bills, who've kind of become their arch nemesis in the AFC. People that's are starting to say him and Josh right Allen. You say yeah. what? I said that's the biggest rival right now. Well, I that's what I'm saying. People start. I don't think they've had enough games to be a rival. Like, I don't think it's on Tom Brady, Peyton Manning's level yet. Now, I think in the next three or four years it can be, but because of what we've seen from them the last two years, this that was the game everybody was most anticipating. Like they were excited for that game, and it didn't disappoint. Right? It came down to the wire. That was the reason why Buffalo went and got Von Miller for what he did in that game. Two sacks at the end of the game made an inside move made Patrick Mahomes escape the pocket, throw an off-balance throw, um, gets picked off by Taron Johnson and the Buffalo Bills went one. The one thing I want to watch in this game, Omar, is the two offensive tackles for the Kansas City Chiefs. You talk about Andrew Wiley and uh, Orlando Brown, right? They've been getting beat badly the last two weeks. I mean, Mad Max Crosby two weeks ago, the LA, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders had a field day with their offensive tackles. And last week, Von Miller had a field day and Greg Russo had a sack as well. So I'm looking for those guys to see how they can step up. Now, if Nick Bosa is truly himself, it's going to be a long day for Patrick Mahomes. And depending on if Eric Armstead will see what the injury report is, if he can play or practice this week and go, because that's a big boost too as well, if he's able to be inside. Because they've they've really hurt at the defensive tackle position with Javon Kinlaw and also Eric Armstead being out the last few weeks. It's hurt that rotation. Givens has given them some nice reps at the defensive tackle position. But you got to have your thoroughbreds. That is what the San Francisco team has been built off of. O-line and D-line, that defensive line has created havoc. They just haven't had all their weapons. They already lost Mosley, the corner for the year. We'll see if Jason Verrett gets activated from the PUP and maybe starts outside with your Davies Ward. Um, they just been beat up. I think the thing with San Francisco, they just got to get healthy and interested to see how Patrick Mahomes bounces back after a two pick game, one in the red zone, which is yeah. costly. You cannot give up points in the red zone and turn it over to the other team. And then with the game on the line, another interception to Taron Johnson. So those some of the things I'm looking at for this game. Let me ask you about Patrick Mahomes and his weaponry. Obviously, we yeah. saw Juju Smith-Schuster started to heat up, but you know, do, does he? Ha- it's it's not going to be easy to replace a Tyreek Hill. But do you see sure. them gaining a level of comfort with this receiving core? I do. Everybody, not it's, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I, I do. But it's, you can tell it's just not the same. It's not as explosive. Like defenses don't fear them as much, right? If Juju goes over hundred yards, you're like, okay, they're not going to beat us like that. Right. You can't allow Travis Kelsey to go off for 150 yards. But if Juju Smith-Schuster goes over 100 yards, you're like, they're not going to beat us like that. And I think that was the Bills approach last week. Right. Like we got to make sure that Travis Kelsey doesn't beat us. We got to make sure Patrick Mahomes doesn't get outside the pocket by time and, and able to find other receivers down the field. Now, the issue last year is when Patrick Mahomes went outside the pocket, Tyreek Hill was running down the field. They don't have that weapon this year. Now, Marquez Valdez-Scantlin has had a couple of good games. and He's supposed to be their speed element along with McCole Hardman, but it just has not been the same. Now, they found different inventive ways to win versus Tampa Bay Bucks. They ran the ball down their throat. I hadn't seen a Kansas City team like that because last year they just refused to run the football. I think if they want to have some success against the 49ers, they got to do some of that, what they did against the Tampa Bay Bucks because this 49ers team, again, different defense, especially if Joey Bo- uh, Nick Bosa is able to come back. But that Atlanta Falcons team punched them in the mouth last week. The whole second half – Arthur Smith said, you know what, Mariota, don't even worry about this. We're going to run the football. We're going to use your legs. We're going to use Caleb Huntley. We're going to also use Tyler Ajir. We're going to line up in two fullback sets, two tight end sets. You know what's coming. Do something about it. And the 49ers didn't do anything about it. I've never seen the 49ers team punk like that before. So I know D'Amico Ryans is going to have this defense ready again. They just got to get some of their better players back, and I think they'll be all right. Speaking of the Falcons, they're one of those three and three teams that sort of on the fence in terms of whether they're good or whether they, they have the potential to be a playoff team. What, 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 what has made the Falcons so spunky and spirited in your opinion? Well, we're going to, I know we're going to talk about them a little bit later. So before I get into that, cause I want to give them their flowers. Should, should we pick a winner for this game? This oh, Kansas you, City, San Francisco game. Uh, I'm definitely going with the chiefs. I mean, I, are you I, going I think, with them to cover the two and a half. Yes, I am. Mm, why? Um, I just think the Chiefs have I haven't gotten into a rhythm yet, and I do believe that this 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 is this is going to be the stretch of the season where they start to separate themselves from the pack. I think they're getting they're getting a little bit healthier, and I, I think they will establish a running game against the 49ers. Hmm. 
I look at it like this, Omar. This line has drastically dropped, dropped since the beginning of the week, right? I think it was at four and a half, then it was at three and a half. So you think like Vegas me, knows I think something? Vegas, I think Vegas knows something like myself. Help is on the way, as Tyreek Hill used to always say, and also Shannon Sharp. Help is on the way. Trent Williams coming back, Nick Bosa coming back, Jimmy Ward coming back, CMC there, maybe get five to ten plays, just trying to get him in open space. I think the 49ers cover this game. Now, I don't know if they win. And it's kind of hard because it's not a full three. My thing is, if you can buy it up to three points, buy it up to three points, I think the 49ers cover. They're undefeated at home. They know what this game means, right? 2019, they lose the Super Bowl to the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of those same players are on that team, right? You really think they're still thinking about that game? A hundred percent. I know Kyle Shanahan, a hundred percent. Jimmy Garoppolo for damn sure is. They were. Nick Bosa was a rookie that year, and he was a pro bowler. Away from winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I, I, I... I think they got embarrassed last week by the Atlanta Falcons, who have had Kyle's number ever since he's left Atlanta. Like, I don't see them losing two in a row. And I know it's tough because it's hard to say that Patrick Mahomes is going to lose two in a row. Again, San Francisco just plays better at home. They're undefeated at home. I think George Kittle got going last week in the screen game. That's another thing to watch. Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive corner for Kansas City, likes to go a lot of man coverage and heat it up. When he did that, Buffalo made him play last week on, you know, some some deep passes to Steph Diggs and also Gabe Davis on the outside. I think San Francisco makes him pay this week by the screen game. That's how they hurt Atlanta last week. I think they do more of that this week. I like San Francisco to cover this game. If you can buy it up to three, buy it up to three. San Francisco covers at home. This is I Am Athlete tonight here on Mad Dog Sports Radio, and we're talking to our partner, Lee J. Doosable. Let's move on to the Falcons at Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals. I know there was a Super Bowl team, but a lot of uh, uh, there's been a lot of fourth quarter and overtime losses this season. This just seems to be a team that cannot finish. Uh, Jamar Chase, the reigning offensive rookie of the year, he had one of his better games of the week last year. Last week, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Is Joe Burrow starting to heat up? It's hard to say that, right? Because people, I thought after the Jets came, I'm like, damn, we don't we don't let Joe Burrow get hot again. But he had a low versus the Ravens, right? And uh, there was another game, I guess the Miami Dolphins game, he didn't throw for a lot of yards as well either. Now they did win that game, but uh, it was Joe Mixon in the run game kind of really getting going that game. And uh, Jamar Chase, like you said, you know, he's been getting blanketed a lot this year. This was kind of one of his first breakout games of the season, going back home to New Orleans. You know he was going to show out there, right? Uh, Went over 100 yards, a couple touchdowns, made a couple guys miss uh, with two minutes left on the clock to take the lead. I think Honey Badger missed a tackle. Paulson Debo missed a tackle. And he's just an explosive athlete. Joe Burrow was cooking last week. Three touchdown passes. Had another touchdown run in the red zone. Uh, Omar, nobody has, to me, this year has better pocket presence than Joe Burrow. He just has a knack for being able to shimmy out of stuff, bring the ball with him, and then Uses athletic ability, which isn't crazy, but just enough to make plays with his legs. Now, a lot of times it's buying time to throw the ball down the field. Last week, he hurt the the New Orleans Saints in the red zone by escaping up in the pocket and scoring on a third and eight on a 19-yard touchdown run. So I I think that offense is starting to cook a little bit. Joe Mixon in the running game got it going a little bit last week. It just doesn't have the same field as they did last year. I I just don't think people – Fear them as much on the offense. Now you have to respect them because of the receivers they have. Yeah, T. But Higgins and that Boyd. Ravens defense held them to what, like seventeen points, right? And that, and I know you always talk about the Ravens defense, yeah. who has actually played Falcons better the Cotton. last couple of weeks. Like their offense needs to, to to get back right. Like you can't continue to have leagues and give them up. The offense cannot show up in the second half. Also, defense, you got to stop somebody in the second half. But if you're on the offense for Lamar Jackson, I know this is going off topic a little bit. You got to show up in the second half. I don't know what the drastic change is between the first and the second half, but they got to get it together. I, I'm not a big fan of that secondary. I, I just think that they are they are cotton soft. Uh, Marcus Peters isn't playing like Marcus Peters. We know he's actually he's playing pretty well this year, though. He did have a bad PI call. They gave the Giants a first and one last week, and Saquon Barkley scored in the next play. I mean, when you put somebody on the island, a PI yeah. is going to happen every once in a while. Uh, Humphreys actually played well as well. I think it's everybody else that has had some struggles. I mean, Kyle, uh, Kyle Hamilton, I try to tell people, and again, I don't wish any ill will on any young kid. I just didn't see it. I And usually the Ravens don't make picks like that, 
right? Yeah. They usually are really good when it comes to the draft. But I there's a reason why he's not even starting. There's a reason why the fourth round pick is starting in front of him, is all I'm gonna say. But going back to the Bengals, right? Uh even last week, their defense, as far as you know, they've been synonymous with playing cover two, letting that D line get after you. I don't believe they registered any sacks versus Andy Dalton uh in the Saints, right? Uh Trey Hendrickson balled versus the Jets. I think he had three sacks in that game or two and a half but he just hasn't made an impact like he had last year. Sam Hubbard has actually played decently this year. I think them losing their uh, the de- uh, defensive tackle really hurt as well. I know BJ Hill has kind of stepped up, but the other defensive tackle, I don't know why I'm having a brain fart right now, um, but losing him has really hurt this team and they haven't, haven't played as well. If you look at the Falcons though, man, I'm excited about this team. They, again, with Arthur Smith, He's kind of playing old school football, and it's it's refreshing, mm-hmm. Omar. Round the pound, really, I, I believe in it yeah, too. You don't really see it anymore, you know. And I'm a defensive guy, so I love it. Like when somebody can take your will, play in and play out, and there's nothing you could do about it. Like that's almost like a defensive mentality. So I, and right I like now, they're doing it without Cordell Patterson. Yeah, so that's what I was saying. Like so, with Caleb Huntley, and they're doing it with Tyler Algier, and. The game was 14-14 with San Francisco last week going into half. Coming out in the third quarter, Arthur Smith said, you know what? We're going to line up in two uh, fullback sets, Pony Express, right? Two fullbacks, one back in the backfield in the pistol formation. And we're going to run the ball because you know with two fullbacks in here, what else are we going to do? We're going to run the ball. Good luck trying to stop it. I mean, Chris Lindstrom, their right guard, is playing at an all-pro level right now. He has been road-grading people. And then not only two fullback sets, they would line up in two tight end sets. And they're like, we're going to run the ball every play. We're going to get four yards. Good luck stopping it. And literally, I think there was a drive where they did it for nine straight plays and it ended on a zone read with Marcus Mariota taking it in for a touchdown. Like, they've really done a good job using his legs. I mean, he only threw 14 times last week, Omar. Completed 13 of his passes for, I think, like 129 or something like that and two touchdown passes. But then he added 50 yards in the rush game, right? So Arthur Smith has made things look simple, but he's been inventive in the run game and how they have their run game and how they use it. Like he gives you so many things to look at, whether it's motion, whether they zone to the right, then pull that right side guard back left. And then it's also a counter to the left. Like he just puts linebackers in the blender, man. I love how inventive he's been in this run game. And honestly, right now he's my coach of the year candidate because I think a lot of people thought, with the trade of Matt Ryan, yep. Julio Jones leaving, that yeah. I know you always say this is a tank special. <laughs> add me to this. Add me to the list. That, I think that everybody thought like they were going to have a top three pick this year, and they're number one in the division right now. And it, albeit for a bad roughing the passer call against Grady Jarrett, they literally yeah. could be the number one seed in the NFC South. And then also Marcus Mariota essentially throwing the game away week one versus Saints with a late you know fumble. They would have won that game because they were big. They were up big in that game. Jameis had a hell of a second half to bring the Saints back, but it was aided by a couple of turnovers in the second half by the Atlanta Falcons. So you're talking about a team that could be five and one or four and two at the worst right now. And they're three and three at top of the division with the Tampa Bay Bucks. So kudos to, you know, Arthur Smith. Now the defense has been trash, but they played really well last week. And that young defense is starting to come around. Arnold Ebukate, who I really loved from Penn State. Caught a couple pressures last week. Uh, I think he got a PBU with the game on the line last week as well. Also, the A.J. Terrell, to me, is one of the best young corners in the game. Pro Bowl corner. Had a fumble re- uh, return for a touchdown last week that essentially doesn't go to him because he kind of fumbled the ball going through the end zone. And Hawkins, the safety, jumped on it. But Grady Jarrett, man, he he hasn't – like Quentin Williams, I don't think he's been talked about enough. He has been dominant on the inside. He's been the one guy that's been dominant for the Atlanta Falcons – I would say going back the last five or six years, Omar Kelly, and I think he deserves some flowers as well. So that defense is starting to slowly put it together. They got Rashad Evans from the Tennessee Titans at linebacker position. He's playing well as well. And Troy Anderson is a guy I really like that, that they drafted at the linebacker position. A lot of speed, a lot of athletic ability. They're slowly coming along. But that offense, man, I just love how they're they going to line up and punch you in the mouth, and they dare you to do something about it. So who are you picking in this game? Atlanta at Cincinnati. Do I think the line six and a half, if I'm not mistaken, if it hasn't changed, is that right? Yeah, six and a yeah, half. Yeah, six and a half. I'm taking the Atlanta Falcons to cover this line with the possibility for an upset. I just like how they minimized how the opponent's offense gets an opportunity with the football by the way they run the ball. They're going to shrink the game down. 
Crazy stat right here for you, Omar Kelly. The Atlanta Falcons are 3-0 when Marcus Mariota completes 13 passes or less. When he completes more than that, they're 0-3. They're I, letting I, you know that we're going to run the football. We're not when, – when he even thinks about having a, a crazy pass, we're taking the, the, the ball game out of his hands, and we're going to line up and run the football. Ground and, and dare pound. You to do something to do, dare you to do something about it. So I like this Falcons team. I think they covered the 6.5, even though it's at Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I I actually agree with you. I'm not taking the Falcons to win the game, but I do believe that they'll cover. But I, I do believe the Bengals will pull off the victory. Another fourth quarter game. They they seem to to be comfortable in that lane, uh, even though they haven't pulled them all out. And now to 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 me, the most important game of the week, uh, Pittsburgh at Miami. The return. This is the most important game. Yeah, because we we get to see the number one passer in the NFL. Two is the number one rated passer in the NFL before he suffered. He ain't played in three weeks. I mean, but he was hot. <laughs> he was hot when he played. This is this he is was. I'm very curious to see how this game pans out. Not only because of Tua's return and and hopefully Teron Armstead plays because that's that's critically important. Um, that offensive line has been trash. It's been a disaster um, <laughs> for probably the last five years. And and Teron Armstead was supposed to make a difference. Uh, right now he's battling a turf toe injury. You know, as a Greg player, Little, how, oh my god, last week was tough. Yeah, for him. You, you know how difficult that is when, with turf toe. Um, it's yeah. a possibility that they can get Austin Jackson back their starting right tackle. But really, what intrigues me about this game is Brian Flores, Tua's former coach, Correct. knows Tua intimately. Um, Tua's finally said his name this week. He, he's gone all off season without saying Flores' name. Okay. Uh, so, so you know, maybe we call that maybe growth, Omar. We call it, that growth. Maturity, <laughs> growth. Uh, they've got beef, but Flores would know exactly how to attack Tua, and I'm curious to see what that Pittsburgh defense can do. Yeah, I, I think it's not just him knowing Tua, right? That's his defense. Let's let's like let's be honest about it. Like Josh Boyer that was under him. Defense. That is Brian Flores' defense. So. He has inside information. I actually talked about this on my CBS show with and uh, my host Tommy Tran. All those players, so yeah, I, I, he knows yeah, how all be... those players operate. Those are his guys. He brought them in there. He knows that defense in and out. So that's the thing to be to watch this Sunday, right? Does Josh Boyer try to t- change and do some things different? Even though his team has known how to do this for the last two or three years, right? Does he change some things up, knowing? that Brian Flores knows the defense in and out because it's essentially his baby, right? And he passed it over to Josh Boyer, not by choice, right? He got, he ended up getting fired and, and Josh Boyer ended up being the defensive coordinator, which, which he was before, but you know, Brian Flores and Gerald Alexander really kind of ran that defense. So that's one thing to watch, right? What adjustments does Josh Boyer do on defense? Because, you know, the guy that wrote the script for him, is on the other side now. Absolutely. Right. And and as far as the offensive players, like a lot of them are different, right? Waddle, Waddle was there last year. Um, but Tyreek adds, adds a whole nother element. Supposedly Miami's in talks of trading Mike Gusecki right now. We'll see what happens with that. But Smite and all those other guys. Should have been done a long time ago. But it, new, it, new offensive line. So Brian Flores has to watch a little tape on them. But as far as knowing the quarterback, knowing Waddle, and a few other pieces, yes. But I think that the biggest thing is that Brian Flores knows his defense in and out. So it'll be interesting what Brian Flores told Matt Canada this week as far as nuances and how to attack this defense and where he thinks that there could be some advantageous, you know, matchups where they can really exploit this defense because he knows it inside and out. And that's, let's not also forget, this is a homecoming for Mika Fitzpatrick right now. Granted, Brian Flores and him had their tiff or whatever you want to call it. They've hugged and made up in Pittsburgh. But had at, the end, at the end of the day, the GM trades you, right? Omar, the uh, GM trades you. He didn't want to play. For, he didn't want to play for Flores. It, it I was get a that, cup, but still, he had a cup of coffee in Miami. He he, yeah, he lasted I, one season in and four games. I, yeah, I, still, this is the team that took you number one overall. When anytime you play your old team, you want to stick it to them. I know that from personal experience. Whether you got what you wanted in the trade or not, again, this is my old team. However, it happened. We parted ways. I'm going to let you know what you're missing. All right. So, like, Mika Fitzpatrick is back. And he's coming off injury. Didn't play last week. So, he's going to be extra juiced up for this game. So, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I know Kenny Pickett is still going through the protocol. We'll see. I don't know if Pittsburgh is Yeah, how much a out. difference do you think Kenny Pickett's presence makes for, for the Steelers? I mean, Mitch Trubisky looked good that second half. Right? Yeah, because he that, got benched. If we get that Mitch versus the Tampa Bay Bucks. 
desperation makes you play a little bit but better. Also, so maybe now that he knows, and this is what I've been saying. I know me, I know you've been talked that. about. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, the writing was on the wall. Kenny Pickett went in the first round. He's going like to be the heir apparent starter. You literally have nothing to lose. You got your guaranteed money for this year. Cut it loose, bro. Like, why are you playing timid? There's no reason to play timid. I don't care if they said this was going to be your team. If you believe that, you are tripping. You take a first-round quarterback, history shows he's going to play. Look at you. You didn't start off your rookie year, but you started halfway through the season. That's what they do with first-round picks. So the writing was on the wall. Cut it loose. I think now he realizes that. And if he does get the start today, I think he goes out there and plays carefree. And honestly, I know we're not getting to the picks yet, but I like them to cover, maybe even win this game. Yeah, I, I think that line is too big for me. Seven I, points? I, yeah, I, I, That's I, crazy. I, I look at that line, and I'm like, these are two very comparable teams. They're bad, both battling some injuries. Yeah. Uh, two is coming back from a concussion. You never know what's going to happen with that. I mean, one one hard tackle, and 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 the spotter might pull him but out of the it's game. It's not again. even the hard tackle. It's continuity. You've been gone for three weeks. Like, momentum. Me and Brandon yeah. Marshall talked about this yesterday. Momentum is truly a real thing, right? They had all the momentum in the world those first three weeks of the season with two out there. They beat the number one team to most account. The number one team is the Buffalo Bills. I know a lot. Some people say the Philadelphia Eagles, but they beat the Bills already right so that's already a division one division game one uh versus who some consider the top team in the nfl NFL. right and then Tua gets banged up gets hurt and the momentum has shifted they've they've been on the three game skid not only did they lose two they lost teddy bridgewater after one playing the jets game he came back in last week and you know uh still didn't look as good i think he had two interceptions he didn't start the game but came in I think he still threw for over 300 yards, but those two interceptions are costly. Um, so even the Cincinnati game when he came in, that interception late was costly as well, too. So it'll be interesting to see. Do they get that same mojo, that yeah. momentum back with Tua? It seems like everything I've heard out of the Miami camp this week, everybody was upbeat, happy to see Tua. They're ecstatic to get him in. And that doesn't just help the offense. That helps the defense, too, because I think this was really, and you talked about this before, too, this was the first year where I really felt like it was Tua's team. Right. Before it wasn't to his team like this was his team. And I think it took like some air out of the team when he went down. Right. So we'll see if they can get that mojo back because, again, momentum is a real thing. But that line is just too big. That's that's yeah, why yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I believe I know they got destroyed by Buffalo, but yeah. I, I just I just believe in Mike Tomlin, man. I, I don't I don't see them getting yeah, absolutely dog washed by by more than seven i think i'm taking the steelers to cover this game i'm i'm also taking the steelers to cover this game uh, to me that's probably the lock of the week in terms of the pick that i would have made um i know i know miami's at home but uh steelers are definitely going to cover this game well dudes appreciate you for joining us on i am athlete tonight i am athlete tonight is part of the series xm sports podcast network Support I Am Athlete tonight with a five-star rating and by leaving a review. That's a big deal, guys. Stop being lazy. Pick up your phones and leave a review and give us a five-star rating. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Want more? Catch the full two hours of I Am Athlete tonight, weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash IAA Tonight Trial to start your free trial today. SiriusXM Podcasts. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.